you have to make a product that is going to sell and at the right price point because there's no point in making a beautiful product that's ridiculously expensive and there's nobody there to buy it and also be prepared for blood sweat and tears pure determination is needed if you're going to have your own knitting business or business in general you're listening to the make it british podcast i'm kate hills and i'm on a one-woman mission to save uk manufacturing I invite you to join me each week when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice and tips on making in the UK. So let's get on with today's show. Hello and welcome to episode 129 of the Make It British podcast. There's been a lot of talk about micro factories and making on demand recently. You may have heard our webinar that we did at Make It British last week about the future of UK textiles and whether that involved making on demand and having small production units and that being the way forward for the UK textile industry. So when one of our Make It British members got in touch to say that she's making everything bespoke and on demand in her own micro knitwear factory in Nottingham, I thought I would get her on the show. So today I'm speaking to Samantha Brook of knitwear brand Wearing Brook. I hope you enjoy this interview. So thank you, Samantha, so much for joining me today. Nice to speak to you. Thank you for having me. Well, I've been dying to talk to you for a while. And then it was then when we were talking about our micro factory, I think I put a post out on Instagram and you said, I've got a micro factory. I'm making on demand. Exactly. I I thought I've got to get her on the podcast. Yeah. Well, I've made a pretty new business. Well, it's not new business. I've been going three years, but um, it's just developed into what it is now um, through a process of uh, elimination of knowing what works, what doesn't work and um, how how I can develop the business further and keep going. So, so shall we start first with, because I don't know anything about your background. I know that you, I know that you've got a brand called Wearing Brook and you make some yeah. amazing knitwear, but are you trained yes. in design originally? So I, yes, I designed for, when I graduated my a knitwear design course, uh, fashion knitwear design. I then was spotted by Alberto Ferretti uh, oh, at London Fashion Italy. Week. Yes. Yeah. And I went to Italy and worked as her head knitwear designer there for a year um, before coming back to the UK and then being the head knitwear designer for a guy called Max Studio, a brand called oh, Max Studio. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so I was the head of something like nine lines uh, where I was doing designing and manufacturing and the production for about, yeah, nine lines ranging from expensive to high street and, and fast fashion, actually, which, uh, so, which I didn't enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been quite different from working from Alberta Ferretti to work. Did you, did you live in Italy when you're working for? Yes, but, yes, yeah. I lived in Italy. It was, oh, I loved it in Italy. It was amazing. Mm. Um, it was, oh, because you were, I was working on catwalk stuff. I was working for catwalk. So it was, um, it was a little harder. It was a bit more fast paced. It was a bit more uh, creative. So I could do a little bit more 
interesting stuff. But then when you're doing high street, you're constantly thinking about prices, how to get the prices down, the CMTs. Um, so it was, yeah, totally different. But then it stood you in good stead for having your own business if you yeah. have been used to all of that. So yeah. how long were you working for other people as a designer? Uh, six years in total. And what made you decide to then branch out on your own? So I wanted to make my own line, which was sustainable, because I basically got so annoyed uh, and disappointed at the factories and how much wastage is created and how much it affects the world. Because uh, I was working in China. I, I lived in China for certain times oh, of the did year. did you? In the factories, yeah. So I was working there getting getting as much stuff out as possible and then I'd fly to Hong Kong for Hong Kong Fashion Week and then come back to the factories to get everything that I designed at Hong Kong Fashion Week uh, created so mm. um yeah it, it was just it was too fast-paced and I just thought I'd like all of this work for um someone just to be wearing something that was probably not the best quality and would be chucked away in about two or three years time and it just disheartened me so much and I always wanted my own brand but it kind of made me realize what sort of brand I want I wanted it to be British I wanted it to be sustainable I wanted it to be to make a product that someone would something that somebody would love mm. rather than chuck it away so which part of China were you in then and I mean I used to do a lot of trips out there when I was working in buying but I only, was only ever out there for two or three weeks at a time. Were you there yeah. a lot, lot longer? Um, well, no, it was a month every year, a month of the year, month um, every year for, Season. Six, for five years. Yeah, right. it was, um, or, or sometimes it would be a bit longer depending on whether I could get the items out. I went to Hangzhou. It was Hangzhou that mm. we went to um, and then Shanghai uh, and a rat around around Hangzhou. Hangzhou? Hang, Hangzhou? I don't know how to say it. <laughs> so you were working with huge factories out there, probably like hundreds of knitting machines all lined up in rows. Massive. It was massive. Yeah. yeah. And, and it wasn't as bad as they – well, the, what, the factories I saw, it wasn't as hmm. bad. They didn't treat the staff – badly that was they were very they were very good it was very clean um but th the masses of it mm. it was just incredible i couldn't the believe volume. it yeah yeah on one on one level there'd be a thousand machines and there was six levels so it was it was just huge and they were expanding so at what point did you think okay right, i'm gonna set up my own brand and and how did uh, – when did you decide you would then also manufacture it yourself? Because knitwear is not the easiest thing to start no. manufacturing yourself. Well, it was when I started the brand, I I had, the, I had some funds, and it was either spend those funds on one style of jumper and lots of that jumper because mm -hmm. that's the only way I could get the minimums at the right price so that it could have been sold at the right price point. Price point. So – Instead, I spent the money on a machine. <laughs> I thought, Love I thought that's going to be better. And then I thought, What's I'm going do? to learn, learn how to program a machine. And I thought, how hard could it be? You know what? I've got an ulterior motive here because I, 
I did knitwear as part of my degree. And every time I go to a knitwear factory, I think, oh, I'd love my own knitting machine. I really would. <gasps> and then I get put off. So I went to see um, a factory called EYA Design in, in Oxford. Have you ever been to Adrian's place? No, He's knitting no. cashmere jumpers. He's got three Shima machines, I think. Right. And it's a family business. And I thought, and he overlooks a field with a load of sheep. And I thought, I could do this, you know, just have, yeah. have one machine and be knitting sample because I know how much demand there is for sampling in knitwear exactly so it's you massive. actually did that mad thing because the thing that put me off was that I technically I only know about the old kind of double bed machines that I had back in the the 80s but that, that's all I know a lot of dubier yeah yeah so that's all I knew about as well I didn't um well, did you know I, what you were taking on when you thought I'm just going to buy no, a knitting machine? No, I thought I thought no. It's just how hard could it be? I've seen them do it. I'm technically minded. I can I can do this. Bit no, of programming. It, it was it, very hard. <laughs> is it a stole or a Shima machine? Because there's really two main manufacturers of machines, isn't there? Yeah, it's a stole. It's a stole okay, machine. Okay, brilliant. And, so, um, yeah, I enjoy it actually now. Uh, before, I used to get very frustrated because it would fall off the machine. Uh, I spent three months learning how to program it and that mm. was a lot a lot of it was self-taught actually mm. um because you only get 10 days when you buy a machine <laughs> and it takes five years for these technicians to learn how to program it so you know <laughs> i didn't i didn't think um, you know, i haven't got five years i need to fast no. track this no because i was ha i had shows later on in the year so i was like i've got to get all my stuff made i've got bit, all the products patterned and then made in production until then so um amazing yeah. did do you um do you have anyone technical that could help you do are you close to where Stoll are in leicester that you have a yes. mechanic yes so yeah. i buy so i'm only in nottingham um oh. and i'm a i am rural as well so i overlook fields Brilliant. Uh, at my um at the family house and the family business actually which is a green waste business so i'll get back into that oh. soon about we, we have a green waste recycling plant with a power station so what on the, our site with my family business what we do is we actually generate power for the whole of the midlands um, oh, amazing and for yeah. your knitting machine then and for so the knitting totally machine. green powered definitely yeah so then i learned how to knit the knit and um and then it enabled me to make um, personalised knitwear, mm. um, which was um, which is which has basically been the best seller I've had uh, with Wearing Brook. But also, I have another business as well called um, KnitMyGift.com, and um, oh. that's knitted products for uh, not on the high street and Etsy. Yeah. So, because I fi I figured out that there was a hole in the market for personalized knitwear yeah ba baby blankets dog jumpers um dog blankets so i made a range of dog jumpers and and um baby blankets and father's day blankets and i sell that through not on the high street uh, as well as everything else <laughs> so i'm a very busy it, lady <laughs> yes is it just you yeah it is just me in the office i have um a girl that comes and helps with the linking because it's mm -hmm. just it's just too much to do on my own mm. um and so i have her when it's really busy and then i also have a girl who does all the um 
the office stuff, so the accounts, and uh, yeah. she helps with all the packing and the manufacturing as well when it's really busy as well. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because as, uh, I presume you've got one of the whole garment machines. So for people that are listening in, it, yes. you pretty much program it. So there's very little joining together of the separate pieces, isn't there, if you're making? Mm, no, mm, but you, it's not. It's, it's all linking. It's all panels. So um, I learned that less linking is better. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> it, when I'm doing one product um, – 10 times over it's um it's got to be if i'm spend first when i first started i made a dress that was beautiful but it took three hours to link yeah. and i thought oh that's fine but actually no it's really not <laughs> no so i i remember doing linking of my collection when i did my when i graduated and for those people that are listening in they maybe don't know what linking is it's the putting all the different loops isn't it from the mm-hmm. knitwear from the from the, the top to, for instance, to the top of a sleeve to connect it to the armhole. Exactly. So if you've got hundreds of stitches, you have to put that all on the machine. And they can't be dropped. To connect They've got it. to be all on. So, yeah, yeah it's very difficult. Was and it, it's it, quite a skill. Was it easy finding someone to help to do that? It's, you're in Nottingham, which is an area that originally did have quite a lot of knitwear skills, isn't it? Um, no, no, I think not. you can teach people. You've had to teach someone. <laughs> I've had yeah. to teach someone, yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, there's there's possibilities of having students come, like doing a student intern internship. Mm. Um, but my products are so fast-paced I'd, at the minute, I don't know if I have time to keep, cha- keep teaching people. To, um, so yeah. I've just had to teach somebody myself. And then stick with how to do the linking, yeah. and then hope that they don't leave after a while. Because well, exactly, uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they want their own machine. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> no, so as well as so as well as the investment in your time to learn how to program it, it's quite a big financial investment for one of those machines, isn't it? Did you get any funding yes. or anything? I did. I did. I had some personal funding um, uh, when I first started. I had. Um, I had you have to have help um mm. and so and so, and I had two investors that were really keen because my my collections and my past of in fashion has been it's been very recognized so it's mm. uh, it were they they believed in me in in doing well with my fashion um but it just turns out that the fashion is just a bit too hard to yeah. um to to really really crack if you mm. if because I've personally found it very hard to make a beautiful product that is that people want to buy at the right price point. Because if you want to make something yeah. as beautiful as I want to make, it's going to be thousands and thousands of pounds, and yeah. uh, you have to have the right market for that and enough money <laughs> and funding. Sorry, I've got a dog. That's your dog, yeah. <laughs> um, What's your dog's name? Poppy. 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 Hello, dog, Poppy. Jump, dog jumpers. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's my model. Um, so yeah, you have to have the funding for the marketing, um, and because you, yeah. can, you can have a fantastic product, but you know if you're not got, got enough funds to market it, then there's there's no point. Mm. But I keep seeing you on Instagram. Your knitted face coverings are fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, they're doing they really mu- well. They're personalised, aren't they? So, yes, yeah, so they must have. Um, yeah. Have done really well. You can tell. So we start. So I start 
basically what I have is a product, an accessory, a headband scarf, and it is personalized. I make a pattern from your initials. And so your mm. initial pattern is unique to you and and it's, it's beautiful. Uh, and I love it because each one is totally different. So I then used that idea for the face mask when obviously COVID happened and um, it, it changed, it's changed the world. It's changed mm. the way that we, um, we buy and that we live our lives. So I wanted to make face covering um, to help the cause, which uh, then, so I used my initial pattern idea uh, and it's also so much better because you can, it's, it's machine, machine washable. So you can wash, buy a few for your family and then put them in the washing machine and there's no cross contamination. Yeah. Um, so it just, it made total sense to me to use it as a face covering and add that to the market. But it's, it's been picked up by the BBC News. So I uh, had a feature on the BBC News. East yeah, Midwest saw today. you. Yeah. Hmm. And, um, yeah, it was. It's it's been doing. It's done really well, and but I'm getting a lot of good feedback from it because it's so comfortable, it's washable, mm. and it's very good quality. So yeah, it's do, it's it's going all right. And then that's customers that have found you through that who will then go on maybe well, later in the year to invest in something else. It also, I suppose, means that you can because knitwear is very seasonal, isn't it? And a lot yeah. of people only buy knitwear six months of the year, but that mm. means you've got a product, I suppose, like the dog, dog jumpers and the dog blankets that go all year round. Exactly. Yeah. It's mm. a, it's um, well, it is now. I've, I've, I didn't realize quite how much it was in um, demand, but obviously everybody, in the country or yeah in the country needs one so yeah um everybody was a potential customer we need a few as in this house because my husband keeps saying i've lost my mask yeah how many you've had loads of them yeah well no, that's another that's another reason is the fact that i was i was getting a little bit worried about the fact that there's going to be so many um chucked away and there's the wastage is going to be so yeah. high so um i wanted to make something a little bit more uh, sustainable for the environment to keep mm. keep um, with the brand. Yeah. So tell me more about the 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 green energy business and how that you know how you wanted your business to be more sustainable. How in what ways do you do you do that? So I use fabrics that are biodegradable. So mm -hmm. I make sure because viscous and rayon take seventy odd years to biodegrade, um, and Merino wool, oh, I can't remember, but it's a matter of months, um, mm. and cotton is the same. So I want to, that. That's number one: is that it's biodegradable. It, it's going to it uh, sustains the country in that way. But mm. there's also the fact that um, I wanted to make something that people would love and they would keep rather than throw away straight away. Um, it's because I live and work, um, I've grown up in the countryside. It's, mm. it's just, it's always been ingrained in me that the um, country is to be sustained. And that's what my family have done with the green waste. And um, that's how I wanted to make the brand. Yeah. Yeah. So investment pieces. I mean, your knitwear is investment pieces, isn't it? It that is. That people it is. will also wear and treasure. Do so, you? And they also, they're not, but they're, designed and made to 
in demand. Uh, so I don't make piles and piles and piles of them. I, yeah. I make to order. So there's no wastage in that way. I'm very careful with uh, the wastage in in the studio as well to make sure that uh, everything is used. So every single um, piece is made to order, is it? Yes. All of your collection? Uh, apart from... A couple of the ponchos and some of the mm. some of the men's clothing, uh, some of the women's clothing. I, I started off making m- more of each one, but um, it just seemed that if it wasn't a seller, it would be a waste of the yarn. So instead, yeah. I now that's why I've created the personalised accessories. So now yeah. people buy the accessories. Um, and personalize them and then they're made to order to for them which makes it special <laughs> what do you do if you want to go away you can't someone has to wait a couple well, of weeks I, for their I, order yeah, well, chance. in the past i've only been away a week and i've just said look i'll, I'll be back in a week and yeah. it'll be sorted as soon as possible i am going away for two weeks in january so i am having to train somebody how to do it <laughs> So uh, Brilliant. I'm in the process. It's going to force you to do yeah, that. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, um, because I have, I have to have time off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. And have um, Stoll been very supportive of how they didn't great, dump yeah. and run with the machine, did they? I can imagine they. No, no, they've been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're great. And now that they've got the um, yarn as well, so I, I get my yarn from. Leicester that's another reason that's another way I keep it mm. um um as sustainable as possible I, yeah. get, I get the yarn locally um so yeah they've been fantastic they they've helped and if I've ever needed a technician or if I've had a problem with the machine they've come straight out so yeah I've not been left in the lurch by them <laughs> no I'm thinking maybe one day I will get that dream knitting machine that I want for Christmas you should you should it's a big Christmas any- exactly and I don't live anywhere near the Midlands and as David from Stoll who has been on this podcast you know it's cost quite a lot of money to send an engineer down to Surrey so I'd have to move to the Midlands if I have my dream one day of setting up my little knitwear factory yes you would (laughs) so how what would you say to anyone else me and anyone else that was thinking of setting up their own little micro factory being that a knitwear factory or any little sort of small production business i would say you have to make a product that is going to sell and at the right price point because there's no point in making a beautiful product that's ridiculously expensive and there's nobody there to buy it and also be prepared for blood sweat and tears pure determination (laughs) is needed if you're going to have your own knitting business or business in general um Mm. and you also need to be prepared to learn other job roles because I came from a design I was like a a designer and then having a business you are everything so you're not just a designer you're going to spend two percent of your time designing doing what you're good at um, and the rest you have to learn (laughs) yeah Um, so sorry there's my dog again there she is again (laughs) someone coming to the door yeah brilliant Um, so what are you going to do when your business grows and your one knitting machine gets to full capacity? I'm going to buy Will more you... knitting machines. Brilliant. I'm going to You've hire, got the space. I have the space. I'm, I've got my own. I've, I've created my own factory. So um, I will just expand 
and, uh, and I'm very prepared for that and I, I believe it will happen sooner rather than later as well because once you find your niche then um, you just roll with it yeah and that's what I've found is that I've, I've now got a niche with my personalized accessories and that's what mm. I will push forward because that's what I know works yeah mm. and how long's the business been going when did you get the machine three years ago now yeah and it's going to get busy come Christmas and it always does so um yeah but I'm I'm ready I'm I'm excited (laughs) brilliant so what do you do um because when they come off the machine when your accessories are knitted off the machine there's a certain amount of finishing to do as well isn't there there is so you're doing all that yourself as well yes and the the girl that I have helping as well she does it as well so when it's really busy quiet days I tend I do it myself but um it's getting a little bit too much for me solely at the mm. minute. So I, yeah, I have, I have someone else to help finish pack and, and prep. Mm. Mm. And you're also on Instagram a lot. I'm always seeing you doing little <laughs> demos of your headbands. You're fantastic on social media and I'll put the link Thank for you. your Instagram as well in the podcast show notes. Thank you. How do you find to do that as, that as well? Like, that's all you obviously, because you're yeah. in front of the, the camera. It, well, it's, it's not that hard. You just, um, I think, I think, you just live your life and then just show it when you are mm. there. So it's not doing anything different. It's just showing what your day-to-day life is yeah. is entailing. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't necessarily look, uh, plan it too much because I, th- I think Instagram personally for me is about realness and, and, and yeah. how, um, how you work your business. So, for me, that's what I do daily is just just show what show my business and what I do. And do you know from um, customers of yours that people that have bought from you that that's how they found you and that's why they bought from you because they like the story behind your brand? They do. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And, and also a lot of communication. So I'm constantly talking to customers and people who are the followers. I, 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 um, I enjoy listening to people's lives and what they're up to. So, and I listen to what they want. They're in, they're included in the Instagram. If there's colors and I say, what do you think? I, I include the followers so everyone feels like they've got a part of, of the brand and, and the development mm. process and the design process. So uh, everyone feels included. So very different from those days working in the factories in China. Totally different. Where you, where yeah. you were making stuff, you know, you were designing stuff six months probably a year ahead actually weren't yeah, you exactly like, and, and not knowing whether it's what everyone wants no exactly and now I can just buy one cone of yarn color and then see and test it out see whether it works and if people are interested but keep buying more but um yeah mm. it's it's fantastic the way I'm mm. working now yeah so you, everything is made specifically for that customer there is no waste because you're not making hundreds of garments i think it's it's definitely the way forward i mean i, I think too. covid has had such a big impact i mean small businesses like yours mm. have really shone during this whole yeah lockdown because, because we've taken social media yeah we're, we're using the um situation to to the advantage um and 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 dealing with um the issues and then like overcoming them 
My mum always says there's no challenge, there's no issues, there's just challenges. So this is just a new challenge. <laughs> I love the sound of your mum. I know, she's <laughs> wonderful. Brilliant. So where do you think Wearing Brook will be in five years' time? I think I'll have three machines and in a right. bigger premises and moving forward um, with possibly working with other brands and collaborating, making garments for them um ah, use, okay yeah and, and it's sort of in the pipeline now so yeah i do i do think there's going to be it's, it's going to expand <laughs> and yeah. i cannot so wait that, so that will be collaborations where it will be kind of dual branded so it'll be yeah. wearing brook for yeah wearing oh. brook with whoever it may be but you can't say yet <laughs> not right now no but, oh. but it's it's all in the pipeline and it's and it's all very exciting yeah well on that note there'll have to be another podcast yes Martha. yes i will but do you it can tell us about the collaboration exactly we'll get, we'll get the collaborating person on as well fabulous yeah. Thank you very much for your time today. I'd love to come up and see your knitting machine. At You're always more I'd than welcome. Come up whenever. I'm jealous about your little knitting setup. <laughs> I really am. I'm so impressed. And now you said you've learned it in three months, not five years. I'm thinking one day. You can do it. You can do it. Yeah. Start small and then build up. Mm. Fantastic. <laughs> well, um, thank you very much. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Lovely to speak to you, Kate. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday, plus there's bonus episodes occasionally. So make sure you subscribe in your favourite podcast app. And if you're looking to find British made brands or UK manufacturers, check out the directory on the Make It British website at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash directory. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.